Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. And we welcome you to another installment of the Mick Ultra Golf Show on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. We hope you're having a great Saturday morning, and hopefully you're getting ready to go out and play a little golf today at Blackthorn or Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. That would be nice because we have the two guys who are in charge of those two facilities joining us, as always, on the program. John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course, at Notre Dame and Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. Guys, how are you this morning? Doing great. How are you, Darren? I'm fine, Darren. Mr. Doing Foster? Good, good deal. I'm fine. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. That well, this is this is kind of the the swan song for you today, your final day at Warren, right? Yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> he definitely has a pep I'm in working. his voice. You, you can imagine I'm working really hard today. <laughs> Are you going to celebrate in any way? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm probably not, Darren. That's one reason I'm retired is because I'm really old. And when you get to this age, you just don't celebrate anything other than getting up the next day. <laughs> uh, by the way, I haven't received any. I haven't received any gifts from you guys yet. I just wanted to know campus mail doesn't deliver on Saturday. Maybe that's the issue. We're we're waiting for your new address, John, and we'll send it. It'll be a a housewarming gift. Oh, okay. That's great. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm not sure there's mail here in Beloit, Wisconsin, so I'm not sure I can really send anything (laughs) at this point. Pony Express. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that might be just about right. I, I think it would be nice. Today, at the end of the day, maybe just go out and do one more ceremonial cart washing. That would be kind of appropriate, I think. You know, After you're the right. last year. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, actually, it's quite funny that uh, yesterday I had to run down and, and sort golf balls because after we picked the range, because the team hits Pro V1s and our public end hits red stripe pinnacles. Um, and if the Pro V1s appear on the public end, they disappear for some reason. Um, so I had to go <laughs> sort golf balls yesterday, and I, I, I told one of the guys at the counter, I said, listen, I'm hoping this is the last time in my life I have to do this. If it isn't, I'm going to have a really sad retirement. So <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> so, if I'm well, sorting balls in, in Hilton Head, you know it didn't go well. So. <laughs> Well, at least you're the highest-paid ball sorter in America. I, I would <laughs> hope so, but I kind of doubt it. <laughs> I, I, I still, I still can't believe what you guys told us a couple of weeks ago that there's a golf ball shortage. The driving ranges across the country in need of golf balls. I, I still can't get over that. Yep. Yep. We still don't have ours yet. It's been brutal. Yeah, when it's a it's a perfect opportunity for us to raise prices. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. or, or uh, John, maybe we should turn it into a a self picking range. You hit them, <laughs> you pick them up. 
It's, it's like the strawberry patch thing you pick. Yeah. Well, yeah. Plus, but you need a helmet. helmet and body yeah, armor. Helmet. Yeah. It'll be fine. I like that. I, well, let me call our risk management department and see what they think of that idea. <laughs> uh, I'll call mine, too. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Well, before you make those phone calls, I think I think I actually have a really good solution to this problem. There's actually a, a pretty good piece of property uh, kind of near Mishawak and Granger that used to have a driving range. And I'm sure there's plenty of golf holes still out there in the grass. So if we just kind of bring a little digger and just get that first layer of grass and dirt, you know, loosened up a little bit. Guys, I think we're going to hit the jackpot because I have a feeling there's probably still a lot of golf balls out there. I just know when I had that driving range and we decided to like cut a cup somewhere uh, for the practice greens, you couldn't help but hit golf balls. I don't know how many are buried out there, but you figure Bobix was there for a good 20, 20 to 25 years, I think. And when you hit balls when it's really wet outside and there's no drainage, you know, you got a pretty good layer of golf balls down there. I'm just guessing they probably won't perform really well, though, Darren, once you extract them, clean them, and then sell them to somebody. (laughs) Well, we don't care about that, John, as long as we can pay for them. That's that's a good point. What am I thinking? (laughs) What can go wrong? Just stick them in the microwave for like five minutes. I mean, they'll warm right up. They'll just fly like crazy. No problem. That's a a great idea. Mm -hmm. Tim, when do you think you're going to get your next shipment of golf balls for the driving range? Do you have a long wait? Yeah, they're saying uh, not until at least June, maybe July. Wow. And it's just, Holy John, God. probably, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but we just basically have the picker running all day long. You know, we've had kids yeah. out in the woods, you know, hitting yeah. balls out of the woods, and we're, you know, but they just disappear. It's, you know, part of the you cost know, of, of a driving range. Yeah, Tim, the mistake both you and I have, uh, or the thing that we probably need to correct but really can't, is having the presence of a woods adjacent to your driving range. We have it. Not only woods on the left side, you know, out about 100 yards or so. On the right side, we got the really dense fescue, the the knee high stuff, mm-hmm. and that protects the range from the number one uh, hole. And so it's amazing if you go out there, you can't walk two feet without you know stumbling across golf balls out in the either in the woods or the deep grass. But it's just trying to find people and time to get out there and do it, especially as you get into the summer when it starts growing. But last fall, um, six members of the golf team who were part of a losing group when they played matches went out there, and one <laughs> afternoon, it was like four hours, they found 6,000 golf. They hit 6,000 golf balls back onto the range so we could pick them. I mean, that's just amazing. Wow. How many are out? Yeah. Yeah. So, Darren, if you got any downtime, come out. I'm sure they'd let you go mm-hmm. out there and you know hit, hit as many as you like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. See, you missed the golden line. All you got to say was, well, Darren, you're used to losing golf matches, so you'll just sit right in out there picking up those golf balls and, and helping out like the, the losers from Notre Dame did. So I thought the well, answer was you don't, simple. You don't put... yeah. Right. When's the last time yeah, you played in a golf match? Come on. In a golf match? It would have been last uh-huh. July. And I won 50 oh, okay. from some old high school girlfriends. So, yeah, that was okay. I just, I used nice. the Firestone Foster philosophies of golf and 
came home with 15 bucks, so that wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah, but you had a hell of a hangover. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, yeah, but you got to take the good with the bad. I, I wanted to win that golf match bad because those guys were better than me in high school. I mean, my high school golf team, I don't know what golf teams shoot around here, but it took until my senior year to make the top six of the golf team. And just as an example, I averaged my junior year 41.7 for nine holes, and I didn't make the top six. I mean, our, hmm. our golf team was pretty doggone good. So, yeah, it, it took a long time to make the top six. So I'm not sure what the norm is, but I have a feeling. Wow. Just Well, you know, when you play golf matches, if you're like the fifth best, you normally say with the fifth best of the other teams. Yeah. I mean, I would beat people by like 20 shots in nine holes because I was like the seventh or eighth man until my senior year. So it wasn't a whole lot of fun. Well, I guess that's a sign of a pretty good golf team when you shoot 41 and you don't make the top six. Well, you should, you should have gone to my school, Darren, because we, we didn't have five players. We had four people that knew how to play golf in school. So we, everybody counted. There was always a little pressure on you, but if you wanted to become the fifth player, you could by default, had you come there, you would have been number five. So, uh, How big of a school were like you we, at? I was at a school that had my graduating class was a hundred people and it was a consolidation of six towns. Not a lot of golf <laughs> being played down there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've heard people uh, refer to as golf courses as cow pastures and goat ranches. That's pretty much what we played on actual cow pastures and goat ranches. That was our practice facility. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, and yet I emerged as one of the top players. Uh, well, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say my senior class was 100 people too, but we had like 15 people on our golf team, so it was, it was a whole lot different. In fact, in my four years in high school, we went 128 and one in dual matches. We lost wow. a match wow. double-A school in Springfield. So, yeah, we, we had a pretty good golf program. It, it stinks now, but you, and we had a, we had a good You must have gone up in a uh, very affluent area there, Darren. <laughs> yeah. I always knew there was something about Darren. This right. air. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. well mm-hmm. wait, wait. The, the county I grew up in is the second smallest in the – State of Illinois, and I have a consolidation oh. school too, like you, John. We have five different towns, and it was called Petersburg Porta. Porta obviously is known as one of the great uh, outdoor bathroom companies, and our nickname was the Blue Jays, <laughs> which is another great outdoor outhouse company. So I guess that kind of tells you <laughs> a lot about where I grew up. So I don't think affluent probably fits where I'm from. I don't know. It sounds, I like to use the word elite. I think that's more fitting with your situation. Well, so. well just outside of town, Abraham Lincoln lived there for seven years. He built a, a little village. So we actually are known hmm. for that. But but I wouldn't say I'm big. Time, I don't think he golfed. To say the least. You know what? I've been, I've been accused of... I, Timmy, I, you guys accuse me of name dropping. I don't think I've ever gone that far. Right. <laughs> I hear he's like a four. He could really hit it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, he he probably 
split the, the fairways in two, I, I would assume, with his Funny. persimmon since he was a rail splitter. So there you go. <laughs> well, gosh, we've gotten way yeah. off course here. So I, I got to ask this. This is, this is the big question of the week, and I hope this takes – the rest of the program to get answers, but while John Foster and I were slaving on the golf show last week, we had a great interview with John Handrigan, the Notre Dame golf coach. Our esteemed colleague, Tim Firestone, was playing a little goat ranch, I guess, near the Monterey. A couple of them. I think it's it's called Pebble Beach or something, uh, something like that. Maybe some of our golf fans have heard about that, so I got to know for someone who has not had the time to play as much golf as he used to, and I mean, you're a business owner, so your time is limited. I'm wondering how enjoyable it was to go out and play one of the greatest golf courses in the world when I would assume, and maybe I'm wrong, you didn't have your, your A game due to the lack of playing. So what was the experience like? Well, uh, there's several factors here. Okay, so <laughs> number one, I did uh, I did participate in the golf ball shortage in America. I you contributed. I, I lost ten balls. <laughs> yeah, so they're somewhere still on the peninsula. Um, and this event in particular was um, tailor made, sponsored uh, club pros from around the country. And as you can imagine, John knows this as well. I mean, I was definitely, I would say, in the top 5% of the oldest guys there. I mean, these are young guys that are teaching, they're playing a lot, um, and golf is their life. And and that was me at one point in time back in my career, but certainly not now. Um, So needless to say, uh, I was not in contention for any uh, awards on Thursday night at the awards dinner. but uh, two rounds at Spyglass and one at Pebble Beach and mm. staying there at the Inn at Spanish Bay was uh, a mm. memory that uh, I'll never forget. It wow. Absolutely incredible. And um, we spent five nights there, and Taylor May just did everything wow. first class. And, um, and, and, John, I know you've been out there and, and you've played mm-hmm. and uh, actually took a picture of, of the Cypress Club there for you. So um, Wow. Which Excellent. is, you know, the most elite club they say in America, even more so than Augusta. Right. Um, hmm. And uh, it's just, I mean, the whole peninsula, you know, yeah. obviously a lot of our listeners know, but there's golf everywhere. You have Monterey Bay, the private club, yeah. you've got Del Monte, you've got Spanish Bay. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. And then the history of this uh, Pebble Beach Company is a fascinating story and then obviously in the late 90s when Peter Uberoff and Arnie and, and uh-huh. um, um, Clint Eastwood bought Clint Eastwood. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and now the, the way they, you know, they, they bought it with the pact of never selling it again. Yeah. So it will be in, um, in that trust or however they had it set up yeah. for many years to come. But it's just incredible what they've done there and how they do things in first class and um, uh, it, it's funny, you know, around here, John, you will go to an event and you'll have, yeah. you know, kids or college kids serving, you know, yeah. uh, cocktails or, or, uh-huh. or food and out there, you've got, you know, 50 some year old men that have worked there for yeah. 30 years, you know, yeah. as the, as the cocktail server. I mean, yeah. it just, it's a completely different world, but, um, 
every tea time sold all day long at you know four hundred seventy five bucks a piece and yeah. um, oh. eight dollar uh, Miller lights and you know twelve hundred dollar room nights and the revenue adds up and it's unbelievable but it's worth every penny still the value is there. Wow. Hmm. So I got to ask. So when, when I lived about... out there. T- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say when I lived there, Tim, it was um, 75 bucks to play Pebble and 45 for Spyglass. Um, oh, it's my God. a little more expensive than that now. Yeah, it's a bit of a remarkable place, actually. And I, I'd be curious to see what you thought Spyglass versus Pebble in terms of a true golf course. What did you think? Well, I think people might. Well, I don't know. I mean, the Spyglass is a much better golf course. I mean, it's really not right. close. Right. Um, Pebble Beach obviously has, you know, four of the five most iconic holes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, just from a pure golf course standpoint, Spyglass is just spectacular. Yeah, it's good. It is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Now, John, why don't you do a – John needs to do a name drop story here on when he got to play uh, Cypress. Back in oh. the 80s. Well, that was with the Gallo guy, the people that own uh, Gallo Wines. Yeah. For some reason, they yeah. would let them in as members. I don't understand why. But that place <laughs> is really cool. <laughs> yeah. It is. You're driving along, 17 oh, mile drive, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. there's a little sign, and it's a small clubhouse. I mean, it's not, it's just a golf club. No, I mean, there's it's nothing golf. Yeah. There. And then a little range across the street, and mm. it's, uh, that place yeah. is just spectacular too. Yeah, no, it's uh, that. That's a really cool area. Um, how was the weather? Oh, we got so lucky. It was perfect. Yeah. You know, good. they were, all the staff was saying, "You guys have no idea how good you have it because it's normally yeah. in the fifties and it's foggy and it's cold." Yeah. And we had sunshine. Uh, every day. Wow. Um, and probably in the mid sixties. So very lucky. Did you look at Did you look at houses along Seventy Mile right, uh, Drive? Did, you look you at, know. <laughs> yeah, we right next to Jim Nance's house. One was for sale. Yeah. Um, what's really, but it's, what's really weird about that, John? I don't know if, if you remember or not, but if you're up, you know, not on the coastline or not near Pebble or, or the uh-huh. golf courses, the homes that are on the Monterey Bay, there uh-huh. are very. Um, you know, I would call middle-class blue-collar homes. Huh. So it's not like it's a whole peninsula of mansions. Sure. Um, sure. Certainly when you get down to the water and you get along Pebble there, they get oh, to be ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Um, but, wow. uh, yeah, it's really a neat place. I like the vibe out there. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, we, we, spent, we went to dinner a couple times in Carmel with yeah. the Monterey. Um, so there's quite a bit to do there, and um, we had a great time. I would recommend it to anyone. It's it's a great place for a golf trip. Like you said, very expensive, but if you've got the old bucket list going and you want to, you know, if money is no object, that's the place to go to play golf. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what well, do for have... Foster's retirement, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, run that up the ladder of, your, uh, of the station and try to make up for all those years of not paying me. Yeah, after yeah. Uh, 11 years of uh, golf show, non-payment, I'm sure exactly. they'll dare in the corporate card and have fun, boys. Well, from that conversation you guys just had, I have like 
262 questions, so I'll try to narrow it down. First, I got to say this. Maybe I should start playing more golf because Foster has played Augusta National, and it sounds like you played Pebble Beach since too, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tim has played Pebble Beach. The guy I took 15 mm-hmm. bucks from, from my high school <laughs> teammate who I played last summer, today he's playing Sawgrass in a member guest event, and he gets to play Sawgrass twice. And the, the other course there, I think, is another part of it. And I'm just trying to think. I mean, I need to up my golf course game because I played Blackthorn. <laughs> I played Warren. I played where the U.S. Open was in 2003 in Chicago, and the name mm-hmm. is escaping me right now. Olympia you know Field. Talking. Olympia Field. I played Olympia. that 30 days before the U.S. Open. And from the medium tees, I shot 89, which the rough was getting thick there. So I was actually pretty proud of that. That wasn't, that wasn't too bad. But with all my good friends playing all these you know, high-end golf courses, I feel a little left out right now, so that might be motivation to get played a little bit. My goodness. Well, Darren, Darren, here's a segue for you. You set me up. So I'm going to, this is probably my last hurrah in promoting, uh, um, selfishly promoting the Warren Golf Course. So Golf golf golf.com came out with their definitive list of the top 100 golf courses you can play in the country and in the Caribbean, which means public access. So the Warren made the list at 70th out of the 100. And behind us, which I like to look at, is Bay Hill, um, uh, Torrey Pines, Beth Page, Cog Hill. Those are all rated behind us. How's that? So when you play here, you're playing an elite golf course. So there you go. For a lot uh, cheaper, too. Exactly. Well, they do. They did another one that said the top 100 most affordable golf courses in the U.S. for what you get. And then, then they take the top 11 out of that, and we were in the top 11 of great golf courses you can play at the most affordable price. So that's kind of my mic drop, I think, as far as the Warren go. Golf Course goes. I think that's a good sure. one to go out on. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's something to be very proud of. And and I'll go ahead and make the announcement now for you, John. With the retirement of John from Warren, next week at Warren, if you go to the front desk and you use John Foster's name, you get the John Foster special, and you get to play next week at Warren at regular price. And I don't think you can beat that anywhere else in the world. I'll tell you what, that's a great deal. Well, I'll tell you, anybody that's called the last two weeks pretty much has gotten what they wanted. You know, some guy wants to play in July on Monday, even though we're closed, I went ahead and booked it. So I, I hope to be long gone when the, when the chickens come home to roost, so to speak. So enjoy yourself. We'd like to welcome the new gym to Warren as we have now established Monday tea times. Uh, apparently sometimes <laughs> this summer. That's that's terrific. All right, this is the Nick oh, Golf goodness. Show, Tim Firestone, John Foster, Darren Fritzer with you. So I guess, Tim, having now played Pebble Beach, uh, you did mention some of the most iconic golf holes in the world are at Pebble Beach. Just going to ask you a couple of thoughts on playing Pebble. The 18th tee with the Pacific Ocean to the left and you got the tree down the fairway, I'm just wondering in terms of 
standing on a tee and looking at a piece of property, where that stands in the places you have been? Oh, I think that's number one. You know, I've played some great golf courses, too. You know, Wingfoot, Bethpage, Black, and several. But that's the thing about Pebbles. You just, you're trying to concentrate and not look like a complete idiot in a golf tournament <laughs> while you're taking in pictures. Take- taking pictures on every hole and you know uh so that was that's my excuse i was caught up in the awe of it all but no it's the greatest greatest venue uh that you can ever ask for in golf i think and that's that's the beauty of pebble beach you know um yeah and uh, it's uh again the couple of the things you just don't realize um that the greens are so much smaller in real life than they are than they look on TV. That 18th green is yeah. just, it's tiny. And look, you know, you just don't, you look on TV and you, it seems so massive. Maybe that's just me, but that was one thing I took away from the golf course too, is that how small the greens are. And, and think about this, Tim, that they, as you mentioned, sun up to sundown, they're booked. So Matt Seelan, my former superintendent here, his best friend, um, uh, Delhammer was his name. Was He's at Monterey Bay now, uh, superintendent. But uh-huh. I asked Matt, how do they get those things mowed? Uh, I mean, as soon as it's light out, people are playing, and I guess they yeah. do have lights on the on mowers and stuff. But can you imagine with those small green complexes, like you talked about, all of that traffic oh. on there? I, I I don't know. And yet, I bet it was in really good shape, wasn't it? Well, it's perfect. I mean, they, yeah. It, see, I, I don't get it. Yeah. And, you know, I we didn't. I didn't see one maintenance worker. No, that's just it. I, I don't know when they do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know they hand mow everything too. There's no yes. tractors yep. going on those greens, so that nope. I mean their staff must be 150 guys. What do you think? It's got to I mean, be. It's got to be. You guys, you know, you send one crew on the bunkers, one yeah on the tees, one on the green hole. Yeah. Yeah. So where did your tee <laughs> shot go on 18, Tim? Uh, I hit the fairway, kind of on the right side there, bailed out, obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I made a six on the hole. Um, because once, even you hit the green, then that's when the fun starts, too. Um, you know, it's like you don't have no idea where to hit it. All the greens are, you know, Poana and, um, and just, you know, break towards the ocean, does it break towards the, you know, just all those different things of course knowledge that obviously I don't have. So, um, yeah. it was a struggle from T2 green through the green. The only thing I was good at was the 19th hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to ask you about one more, the, the par three seventh where you're above mm-hmm. the green, it's what a hundred yards. You got uh-huh. the Pacific ocean in the background. Just what was it like playing that hole? And if you don't mind, what did you hit there? If you remember this is a pitching wedge. It was only, you know, 100 and, and there was no wind the day we played Pebble, which is unusual as well. Usually you got, you know, wind whipping off the ocean there. But yeah. um, this is a pitching wedge. I think hit the front part of the green, that part of that hole. Um, but just iconic hole. That's the hole that Jim Nance has a replica of in his backyard there at Pebble <laughs> Beach. So oh, wow. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of that footage, but he has like a – yeah. Before the AT and T, he has like a little party or something, and people hit shots. Right, and, right. Um, it's pretty, uh, pretty neat. But no, iconical. Um, it's uh, the whole. All those holes on the ocean are spectacular. I think the holes that aren't 
you know, one and and two. But those are just normal golf holes. You know what I mean? It's really yeah. nothing spectacular until you get to the ocean holes. Mm-hmm. So, final question: Since you both have played Pebble Beach, just hypothetically, hypothetically, if I averaged seventy-two at Blackthorn and Warren. I went out to play Pebble Beach in those benign conditions that you're talking about. What do you think that person would shoot? It depends the tees. Like, we played it all the way back, you know. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, these are pros from all, you know, and that's why here I am (laughs) with my fat butt trying to lock around, you know. (laughs) Um, but if you want us to him, play, did you, did you walk? By the way, <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the cart to the green, yeah. And uh, do they have the? Go ahead. I think middle teeth. Yeah, they have a great caddy program. Absolutely. Yeah. So, a yeah. um, lot of walkers, um, and then even if you take carts, you can you get a fork. You get a four caddy that kind of right. right. helps you read greens, rakes the bunkers, stuff like that. Um, and it's not that expensive either. I was shocked. Um, I think it was sixty bucks or something for the caddy with tip. So okay, yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, Darren. I mean, I, you would shoot one hundred and fifteen if you, you know, I think. Play in the back tee. Played it down. Yeah. No, probably one twenty from the back. Jeez, I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, it's just so hard. Wow. I mean, yeah. Think about from the back tee back there on on uh, on uh, eight and nine. Yeah. I mean, no. those holes are. I mean, I was hitting driver three wood, and you know, still had <laughs> couldn't get there. You know. <laughs> so. Wow. Anyway, you have a challenge. Really good too. That's that's pretty scary. Well. <laughs> That's debatable anymore, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, it, it's not like I'm a sh- you know short knocker, but it's still a lot of golf course. I just yeah. you don't realize how far these guys hit it. It's unbelievable. Hmm. Well, hopefully next week we might have a couple of moments. Uh, I'll give you the the scenic tour of the par five second at Chambly near Abe Lincoln's cabins. Back home, I mean, Cornfield on the left <laughs> and Paul Heather on the right. I I mean, they, they've taken out a bunker, so there's like a huge hole right there in front of the green. I mean, it's, it's probably just like playing Pebble Beach, I'm sure. And when the corn is tall, I mean, it's breathtaking. It's like being at Field of Dreams. <laughs> anyway, well, I think that concludes the longest first segment in the history of the Mick Ultra Golf Show, but that's okay. We'll just yeah. have like two minutes to talk about the rest of the show, but I have a million more questions about Pebble Beach, but we'll just save them for another week. And, and I honestly didn't know, John, you lived out there, so I actually learned something. The? Yep. He's a renaissance man. He's, <laughs> He's done it all. <laughs> I mean, not well, well, but I've it all. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't wait for the name drops of Robert Redford and Frank Sinatra from being, you know, out there hanging around those guys. I'm surprised that's never worked into our conversation on the Mick Ultra Golf Show. Uh, well, John was in the Rat Pack. It, what's that now? I said you were in the Rat, the rat Pack, weren't you? Yes, I, I was. Might have been yeah. a different Rat Pack. 
<laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was more rat-like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We will take a timeout. This is the Mick Ultra Golf Show, and you're listening to it on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. We're also this morning on WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. We're back on the golf show presented by Mick Ultra on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett with John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Tim Firestone is the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. I forgot to ask in the first segment, how has the golf course has been the last week or so? A lot of play, I would assume, with maybe the weather getting a, just a tad bit better. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, early in the week was chilly and um, certainly ramping up as the weather goes gets better. I mean, I think John would attest, when the weather's good, we're packed. I mean, it really comes yeah. down to that. So Yeah. We've seen an interesting effect this year because it's been such a cool spring. Um, the, the students having very very few outlets for recreation. I mean, we have the Burke Golf Course open, but we've been inundated with student play um, because they'll play in anything. I mean, yes, when was it? Like Tuesday, Wednesday? You know, the wind chill is like 42, and they're out here in shorts and T-shirts or uh, polo shirts playing golf. So I think uh, they're leaving soon. Hopefully the weather will warm up and we get more of our regular players out here. But the students have really kind of bailed us out this spring, given the weather situation. Hmm. Well, I think sometimes uh, a few Mick Ultras maybe warms you up and you can have a T-shirt on or a polo shirt on on those cool-type days. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of hesitate. The t- T-shirts aren't allowed here. I'm sorry. I know I'm leaving, but it's not going to go to that, I hope. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got to stay to the Bushwood standards, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, what did you guys think about? What did you think about Roy McIlroy winning the Wells Fargo for a third time last week? He's been off the radar, guys, for a good amount of time, and not won since 2019. I mean, A, this is big for Rory, a big bounce-back win, and i got to think, guys, it's really good for golf getting Rory back in the winner's circle. I'm sure I'm surprised. I, you know, I've been so disappointed when I've watched him the last year or so, um, where seemingly every week there's something that's that's awry with his swing. Um, either he's not driving the ball well, or most noticeably, he's not putting the ball well. And 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 yet the announcers and the other people who speculate on on golfers have still refer to him as possibly the best player in the world. And I, I began to question that moniker just based on, you know, his performance. And I think sometimes you have people that they anoint as, you know, the, the absolute best and they keep that despite the, the, or their performance on course. And I think in this case, he showed how good he can be, whether it's um, he's back, so to speak, and it's sustainable is another thing. I was glad to see it. I mean, he's, he's a good guy in my opinion and he's also um, not afraid to say what he feels, which I also respect him for. So I hope it's the beginning of something good. Yeah, I, I, I like Rory a lot. I think John hit on the head. He, he you know, stands with his opinion, you know, whether it's talking about this new tour or different rules in golf or different players, slow play. Um, but I don't know if you guys watched, but on 18, he hit just a horrific shot 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And was actually lucky to win. But I'm going to tell you what, he made 48 to 48 putts, six feet in. Wow. I saw so, that. I mean, if anybody does that and they don't win, <laughs> something's really wrong. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible putting. Well, guys, Tiger I love the golf yeah. channel, and I love reading about golf. There's a lot of very talented writers. I, I almost feel like the golf media gets so wrapped up in who the best player in the world is. In this era, yeah. where we have like 10 to 12 to 13 guys that you could argue over a three, four-week stretch is number one. I just think the message just gets kind of worn down. I don't think we have to have that dominant Tiger guy right now in the game. I actually like a handful of guys that are kind of battling for that number one spot. So I don't get caught up in the media saying, well, Rory's still the best player, even though he hasn't won. I don't think we necessarily need that. It's nice if the top 10, 11 guys are in contention and they, they pick up wins along the way. But I just don't need a number one. I don't think that's – we don't need that dominant player right now. Yeah, I agree. I think what we do need, though, is like a top two or three that are really form some kind of rivalry, and we're not yeah. going to get that. There's too many yeah. good players. I mean, yeah. you've got guys like John Rahm that no one really talks about. The guy is just incredible. you got, you know, Dustin Johnson, who's the number one player in the world right now, and then I think the number one player in the world is Justin Thomas. But I think everybody's got different opinions on who that is, and I would right. just like to see a couple of them get consistently good here where they've got, you know, a real rivalry going. Yeah, well, so. uh, guys, I think it's hard because the Cowboys and the Giants have a rivalry. They play twice every year. The Cubs and Cardinals have a rivalry. They play 18 times a year. It's difficult to get J.T., Rory, and Dustin, for example, in the same group very often unless you put them in the first two rounds. I mean, the odds of them being together and the third and the fourth rounds are coming down the stretch of the tournament are, you know, pretty slim. That's why I think it's tough to have rivalries. Well, they got to play better. So they are in the final groups. That's my that point. Too. You know what I mean? If yeah. you get those guys all playing good together, then they're coming down to the the stretch where, you know, every week we're seeing JT and, and, and Dustin and, and these guys up yeah. there. Um it would be great. I, it just seems like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but this is just what I'm, my sense is that I don't feel like any of them are playing good on the same week. There's always some yeah. throw-in guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Whether it's a loop yeah. list or it's a, yeah. you know, whoever. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Hoffman. Yeah, he's there you go. There. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of guys that are playing, but that's just the PGA Tour now. We've talked about that. Any one of those yeah. guys can win any week, period. They're all yeah. that good. Guys, we'll take a break. More golf show coming up, brought to you by Michelob Ultra on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. All right, what's coming up at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame? I guess, John Foster, this is the, the final time as acting GM. You can say this. Yeah, that uh, we're closed on Mondays. I want to reiterate that. And, um, you know, give us a call, Warren Golf, at uh, 631-GOLF. And on the Internet, you can make a tee time at warrengolfcourse.com. Very good. Tim Firestone at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. Well, we're continuing. Uh, we've got a few spots left in our junior golf camp coming up this summer. Uh, blackthorngolf.com or 232 
Um, and then we still uh, have a few lots left in the Blackthorn Reserve. So check that out at the reserve at blackthorn.com. Very good, guys. Enjoyed it. John, I assume we might talk to you next week still? Oh, yeah. Yep. He's going to hang around a little while longer. Guys, have a great weekend. All right. Thank you, you Darren. This has been the Mick Ultra Gold Show on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 